This is the Ardella Training Podcast, the leader in innovative strength training for today's fitness enthusiast, coach, trainer, and athlete. The weekly podcast brings you all things strength and performance without the BS so you can train stronger, smarter, and safer, helping you get results. Join the revolution now and become part of the community at ArdellaTraining.com. Ardella Training is dedicated to forging athletic bodies around the world. Here's your host, strength and conditioning specialist and former physical therapist, Scott Ardella. Hey, if you're looking for a new high-quality kettlebell, I've got a recommendation for you. My preferred kettlebell brand, due to the exceptional quality and outstanding price, is the Rogue Kettlebell, which I personally use. I recommend this brand if you're looking to add kettlebells to your collection or get started with your kettlebell training experience. The shape, the feel, and the quality is outstanding, and I highly recommend it. To see the exact kettlebell I use, go to ardellatraining.com slash kettlebell that's r-d-e-l-l-a training.com slash kettlebell you won't find a high quality kettlebell for this price anywhere else so definitely check it out hey guys it's scott and welcome to episode number 104 and in this week's episode i have the ceo of spartan race joe DeSena. joe's actually a return guest on the podcast and he's the author of a best-selling book called Spartan Up, and that's actually when Joe was on the podcast in the past. We were talking about the upcoming release of his new book, and he has a new project now that you're going to hear all about. He's also going to share some amazing life lessons and stories in this episode, and uh, it's a really unique and different uh, episode than I've ever done here on the show. And I highly encourage you to listen all the way through because the content is really exceptional. And we can all learn and benefit from the things that Joe shares in this week's episode. Now, keep in mind that the mission of this show is to make us all better, to help move each of us closer to our potential. So while we don't talk a lot of training uh, topics in this week's show, we do talk about a lot of topics related to life and life performance and being successful. And again, I think you're really going to get a ton of value out of it. And I really, really enjoyed this uh, interview session with Joe. And uh, it's, it's very different from what we have typically done here on the podcast. And this is going to start some unique, innovative topics and guests that I have coming on the podcast. So stay tuned for more of that to come as well. So in this episode, Joe shares some of his key life lessons and, again, tells us all about his latest project, which I think you'll be interested to hear about. And do me a favor, let me know who or what you'd like to hear about on the podcast. The best way to get me is on the Facebook fan page. You can go to facebook.com forward slash Ardella Training. You can also catch me on Twitter if you like, and the Twitter handle there is at Ardella Training. That's R-D-E-L-L-A Training. So uh, again, I'd love to hear from you and certainly uh, your feedback, comments, or suggestions about the podcast. So make sure that you listen to the end of this interview as I want to come back and pull this together 
and really ask an important question as we wrap everything up here. Now, Joe DeSena, again, is the founder of Spartan Race, and he's a legend in endurance and adventure racing circles. He completed the 135-mile Badwater Ultramarathon, raced the 140.6 miles of the Lake Placid Ironman, and finished a 100-mile trail run in Vermont all within one week. He's a pretty uh, amazing guy with what he's done in endurance training. And some of the things that we talked about in this show were how podcasting actually led to his latest project. You're also going to hear when to know when it's time to quit. And this is a really, really important key insight in the interview. And then you're also going to hear a couple of questions that I did not get to ask Joe from our previous podcast interview. One of those questions was, how important is physical strength and what is the number one thing that it provides, according to Joe? So a great interview session here. I think you'll get a lot of value out of it. Let's sit back and enjoy the interview with Joe DeSena. All right. Joe DeSena is back here joining us today. Joe, we did an interview back in May of 2014, just before your book release, Spartan Up. So I'm wondering what's changed for you since the book came out? I know it's been a huge success. Well, thanks to your podcast, um, <laughs> we, hit, we hit number two on the New York Times bestseller list. So That's awesome. So that's what changed. The other, the other interesting thing is um, I didn't really know what a podcast was before we, we did the podcast and, and I got on that circuit. Right. And I was in Slovakia and I was checking on one of our races and somebody came up to me randomly in the middle of nowhere in Slovakia and said, hey, I saw you on such and such podcast. And then I was in um, Canada going through customs. Right. And somebody said, hey, I saw you on, a, you know, on a different podcast. And, and then the same thing happened in the UK in a retail store. And I thought, we got to do a podcast. <laughs> right, right. This is unbelievable. Yeah. And so since we last spoke, we, we started a podcast. And you know me, I'm a maniac. And um, I quickly ran around the world, probably from the, from the last time I was on your show, until now, and, and I interviewed 150 people. Wow. And I did them in person, um, and we videotaped them. And um, I got to say, I got pretty burnt out. It was a, it was a hell of a lot of travel. But, but I met the coolest people, and, and the takeaway really was um, what makes somebody successful, no matter how you define success, whether it's you're a swimmer, you want the best marriage, you want your kids to be great, and, and – um, and so I'm really, I'm, you know, I'm going to go backwards. You didn't ask me this question, but sure. I, I've been thinking a lot about what happened to me growing up. Right. Do you have children? I do. Well, I have two little girls. So how old are they? Uh, eight and uh, four and a half. So um, you're right in the thick of it, just like I am. And <laughs> I'm sure you think a lot about, well, how did Scott, how did you, right? How did you become the way you are? And so you want to, you want to pass on the good things and not the bad things. Yes. Absolutely. I think back, I had this swimming pool business when I was, um, young teens for about over, over 10 years. And I had, uh, 750 customers. And the reason it was unlike any other business, I, I, much different than any other experience, any other young person would have reflecting on it now and thinking about my children is I could walk into any one of those homes sit on the couch, open the fridge, whether they went home or not. I had that kind of relationship with 750 families. 
and they were, you know, black, Italian, German, French, across every ethnicity and every uh, socioeconomic background. And I got to watch over 10 or 12 years what works and what doesn't. Right. Who went to jail? Who went broke? Who made money? Who got divorced? Who cheated on their husband? And I, and I, just like Bruce Lee says, or just like we just said, like I took the good yes. and I discarded the bad. Right. And I did it subconsciously. I didn't even know that was going on. I was just running my business. Yeah. And, and so this, this podcast, this run around the world thing I just did, as well as speaking to all the athletes that come in and out of Spartan, why do some fail? Why don't some sign up? Um, has just got me thinking 24 hours a day about what, what are the takeaways? What could we all do to be better? Right. So that's where I've been. So, so you've interviewed 150 people so far for the show. Um, and the, the main message is really how to be successful. Is that what you said? Just how to, yeah. How to be successful, no matter how you define it. Success uh, could be defined as I just want to get through my day today without getting killed. If you're in the military. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, and, and, um, and so I just, I, that's what I'm thinking about all day, every day. And I'm, and I continue to inquire, with these uh, successful people and what, what did they do? Right. How did they, how did they live their life? Uh, tell us about some of the, uh, the key interviews you've done. I mean, I'm sure they're all outstanding. I mean, I, I, every interview I do, I have such respect for every single person that comes on the show. I love every single interview, but maybe who are some of the, the big interviews, kind of the breakthrough interviews that you can think of that you've done? No, I agree with what you just said. It's 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 every one of them has its unique um, takeaway. But just yes. just so far the ones we released, I'm thinking Kyle Dake, right, a wrestler out of Cornell. And with again, I travel to locations, so I'm on location at Cornell University talking to the wrestling coach. And you start to understand as you're talking to them, these guys have the most impeccable rec- wrestling record ever. They, they, there are more wins coming out of Cornell than, than anywhere. And so then you start to inquire with the coach, why is that happening? Right. And, and he said, he brings me to the, to the house at, at, at Cornell that the wrestlers live in. They're not allowed to go into a fraternity. They, they aren't allowed to go live on their own. They're living in a house amongst all wrestlers. And he's got uh, security there. He's got a cleaning person and a chef. And on Friday nights, the kids aren't going party and they go bowling together as a wrestling team. Saturday night, they don't go out. And, and you start to listen to that story. And then I talk to Kyle, who arguably is the best wrestler ever, certainly in college. He, he won four years in a row national state titles, um, national and state titles. But, but he did it going up a weight class each year, which is unheard of yes. for four years in a row. Yeah. Right. So, and you talk to him with the background of what I just described the coach is doing. Right. And it's really simple. Like just train harder than anybody else. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And and never have a bad day. He goes, my mother taught me that even when you have something bad going on, you can find good in it. And he gives me some examples and you, and you talking to this 20 something, very young kid thinking, He's, I mean, I've done interviews with, you know, billionaires. Yes. And here's this 20-something-year-old kid that has it all together. He, everything he's saying makes, makes perfect, perfect sense. Yeah. So, so, um, so Kyle was awesome, need, needless to say. And we've got Tony the Fridge. 
Tony the Fridge I meet. He's out in the UK. And um, he puts a refrigerator on his back. And he decides he's going to start running 100-mile runs plus with a fridge on his back. And he's going to do, he's going to do it to raise money for cancer because he feels like that's a burden and a weight that people with cancer do, right? They're carrying a fridge on their back. Right. And I tell you what, he got me to cry. <laughs> I, yeah. I broke down during like, he's telling me this story. I don't want to ruin it for people, but I got, I got to tell you, he's telling me this story where he's, he breaks his femur while he's out running with, with this fridge. Oh, wow. And he's done. You know, he's supposed to run 100 miles. He told the whole world, his, his immediate world, that he was doing it, and he was raising money. For he's done. He can't take another step. But he's got to get to a checkpoint or somewhere where he can get picked up. So in the distance, he sees this woman in this white, flowy dress. And he thinks to himself, he must be hallucinating because of his leg. It's impossible that there's anybody even out here where he is, right? Right. And he gets closer, and it is a woman. And she's holding a letter. And he gets up to her, and, he, and she, they start talking, and she says, listen, um, Tony, I don't know if you remember me, but you were going back and forth with my son who had cancer, my you know, nine-year-old or eight-year-old, and um, we were going to meet you here because we wanted to see you on the run. We were so impressed that you were doing this for him, and this is where he wanted to be, and he wanted to read you this letter, and unfortunately, he died two days ago. Oh, wow. So I came out, and he says to himself, how do I not run the remaining 80 miles at this point? Oh man. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, and so it's stuff like that, that, that we're getting, uh, uh, during the interviews that, that'll just, uh, it'll just blow you away. Now, what was his name? I just want to make sure that, uh, Tony the fridge. Yeah. If you go to, if you go to spartanuppodcast.com, you could see, we really released, um, I think 11 interviews so far. You could see Tony, you could see Kyle. Yeah. Um, but getting off the podcast for a second, and I'm sorry I'm bouncing all around, but no, no you got to get your listeners to watch the movie, The Good Lie. It's a Ron Howard movie. I, I happen to catch it on an airplane flying around the world here doing these podcasts, and um, it's an incredible movie. And what, what it covers, and it's some of the stuff we're talking about here, it, it covers the, the war in Sudan, right. the North-South War, which I think took place in the late 80s. And... Um, these these fighters would come into villages and just start killing the adults. So within minutes, the children of that village, which could have been, you know, 100 children, 50 children, right. found themselves with no parents, no adults, within minutes. And and you're talking about seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, kid, kids our age, the kids, you know, the kid, kind of kids we have, right? Right, right. And, and so envision that. And And here they are in this village now. There's no parents. Uh, there's, you know, blood everywhere. And, um, and so they start walking. They're trying to get to another village. They go to the next village. They find all those parents dead. And now they, they group up with another bunch of young kids. These children end up walking 1,100 miles. Yeah. And, and they're doing it um, trying to find safety. They work their way to Ethiopia, but there's a war going on there. They, they can't get through. They try to get to Kenya. They finally land at a United Nations refugee camp. Right. And uh, over 100,000 kids sit in this camp for 13 years. And the United States puts together a program where, where adults could, we can adopt some of these children. And a bunch of them came over to the U.S. 
But then after September 11th, they got shut down. So there, there were still, after September 11th, 100,000 kids sitting in this, in this refugee camp. Wow. wow. And, and, um, and you watch this movie and you see a couple of these kids migrate over to the U.S. And you realize how um, ridiculous we really are, the way we live our lives. When, when you juxtapose, when you look at where they just came from, what they just went through, as an example, and then one of the kids gets a job, let's say, at a grocery store after being here for a week. He just came out of that refugee camp. He <laughs> right. had walked 1,100 miles at seven years old, right? Yeah. With no shoes. And the first thing in the grocery store, because now the kid's 20 years old, the first thing in the grocery store the manager wants him to do is throw away all the food that's expired. Kid oh, can't wow. throw away the food. He's been drinking his own yeah. urine to stay alive. Yeah. Right. Oh man! Wow. So so anyway, powerful messages, powerful stuff, and um, and in the process, I get to watch some cool movies. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never heard of that movie. To tell you yeah, the truth, you got to see it. Yeah, The Good Lie, right? The Good Lie, Reese Witherspoon. It's a Ron Howard movie. It's awesome. Wow. All right, I'll check that out. Hey, you know, I want to go back to um, a question around Kyle, and I'm just curious as you were talking about him. Being a 27-year-old who... No, no, 20, I think he's 21 or 22. Oh, 21 or 22. Okay, so he's even younger. Yeah. What makes... What, what do you think makes him get it at such an early age? You know, I mean, it's got to be parenting. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, and, and, and you and I are going through it right now, right? Nobody gave us any owner's manual on how to do this. And right. um, the more I look at it, um, the more I think it's parenting. I, I was talking to the Cornell coach... And he said he's very particular when he brings kids into his program because he wants a winning, he wants to continue the legacy of that winning program that he tries not to take kids from broken families. Not to say that uh, if, if there's a family that's divorced, he's not going to take that kid. Sure. But what he meant by it was if the, if the mother and the father don't see the eye to eye and the kid is getting a mixed message every day on how to live his life, what to do, um, that's, that's grounds for failure just not going to work. Right. So, and so if you've got two parents, uh, hopefully they're together, but even if they're not, um, rowing in the same direction with the same message on, um, you know, being a worker, right. Being industrious, uh, being motivated, waking up early, all the, all the things you would think make someone, uh, successful. You, you got a good shot to end up with somebody like Kyle. Um, they're rare, uh, right? Right. Uh, right. They're rare. And look, look at, look at Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods was, was rare, but there was some, something went awry there, right? Something yeah. went wrong. Michael Phelps, Michael Phelps uh, yeah. has had his um, run-ins right. lately. Right. Um, and again, I'm sorry I keep going off on tangents, but one of the, it, you got to be very careful. Like I, I'm forcing my kids in a nice way to do a lot of sport. Yeah. And I'm doing it because if I, I feel like if I build a good foundation, then they can catapult to wherever they're going to go with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. In, in, in doing so, though, I've been, I've been fortunate enough to recruit some really amazing athletes, Olympic athletes, et cetera, to come up to Vermont to help the kids train. And um, I'm unpleasantly surprised that some of these athletes, they don't know anything else. Right. They, right. they only know wrestling or they only know martial arts or they only know whatever the sport is. Um, they've never actually swept a broom or or worked in a back room of a kitchen. You know what I mean? They don't yeah, have any yeah. other skills. Right. 
And and so when you say, what do you think makes Kyle? It felt felt like to me when I inter- interviewed, like he was a pretty well-rounded kid, even though he's been on the mat for 17 years. That sounds amazing. I'm actually um, really looking forward to to listening to that, and also uh, Tony the the Fridge. <laughs> so. Tony the Fridge, and then we did we did Angela Duckworth. Yeah, she, she's um, the preeminent expert on grit. She's been studying grit for over 10 years at U- University of Pennsylvania. Right. Funny, I had an interview with her. I think she purposely tested me. I had to sit outside her front door. It was over a day just waiting to, you know, to get to her. And I just, I wasn't going to quit. Now, did you say an expert on grit? Grit. Grit. G-R-I-T, okay. Yeah. All right. This is, this is what she studied. She's done it with the military. And, and she defines grit as this quality that allows you to be happy, motivated, and persevere even when things are going wrong. So, so let's use an example. Um, Thomas Edison uh, visualized, let's go back uh, to when he was working on the light bulb. And he's in his factory. And I don't know how many years it took, but, but rumor has it, he went through a thousand light bulbs before he got to the one that finally worked. Right. Right. Could you imagine, um, you, you run a business now. I, I run a business how many people that were partners with him or employees of his or just people helping that quit along the way? Like, this is ridiculous. We're on our 197th light bulb. It's not working. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm going to work on something else. I heard about these Ford guys working on a car down the road. Right, right. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and, and, but yet he stayed positive and motivated and, um, through, throughout that or, or somebody learning how to play the piano and you're not making any progress but yet you still push forward. And that's, that's her study. That's her expertise. That's awesome. I love that definition. Yeah. Joe, I want to ask when, when would you say that if you just keep going and keep going, when do you know when to quit? Do you ever quit or do you just keep going? So that's the $64 million question. (laughs) Right. Exactly. After, after interviewing these 150 people, it occurred to me exactly what just occurred to you. I said, yeah, Boy, um, what if you spent your whole life going down the wrong road? Yes. So here's what I learned. This is a breakthrough. So, so um, your listeners, are, this, is, this is an Ivy League education, what they're about to get right now. Nice. Um, <laughs> you have to start with your legacy. So in other words, if your legacy, if Thomas Edison's legacy was he was going to invent the light bulb no matter what, well, then he's going down the right road. He, he cannot get off that road. If you're going to be the best mountain climber in the world, if that's what you're driving towards, and you're 100 feet from setting the world record climbing the mountain and bad weather sets in, um, you probably go for it. However, if, you're, if you want your legacy to be you're the best family man ever and you just happen to be climbing uh, the mountain that day and bad weather sets in, you turn around. So it really, it really depends on what, um, where, where, where you're going in life, right? What you want your legacy to be. And that helps you make that decision because, because you will fail and you will be on the wrong road if you use perseverance and grit and all the things we just talked about um, in every situation in life. Does that, does that make sense? Totally, so, totally, yeah. Yeah, so like I used it to get into Cornell. I went to Cornell. I used perseverance and grit to build my first business. I use it to build my second business. So now I'm starting to get this reinforcement in my life that says, 
Joe, all you got to do is do what you did before and you'll succeed. But that's not true. You may die on the mountain. You may not create that light bulb. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but I'm using what you, the tool that worked in the past. And so um, the answer really uh, clicked in my head one day that said, um, no, you, you, you have to reflect on what you want your legacy to be in life. And that will help you make the decision to get off the road you're on or stay on the road you're on. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. And I think when a person is clear on what their legacy is, what their purpose is, then, um, I mean, that's going to be your, your guiding light to keep you keep going with the right intentions to be ultimately successful, even if you have immediate um, setbacks, challenges, and things along the way. But here's the problem. Yeah. Most people, most, I mean, 99.9%. Yes. They don't know what their purpose is in life. They don't know what they want their legacy to be. That's the problem. Yeah, I would agree with that, by the way. And so then you're going to jump from road to road and not get anywhere. So it all starts with really being absolutely clear on your purpose, your legacy. And when you do that, I think everything else Everything else falls in place. It makes makes decision-making so much easier. But, But by the way, that purpose can change, right? So for a decade, for me, the purpose was... I want to make money. I saw my parents get divorced. I saw them physically fight. And I, whether it's right or wrong, said that was because of money. And so I am not going to get married. I'm not going to start a family until I have enough money to have some perceived comfort around and then not fight. Whether that's true or not, that's the way I defined it. Right. And, and so that became my purpose. And then when I made some money, I had a new decade-long purpose. And Right? So you can go through iterations. Yes. Yeah, I, I, again, totally agree with that. I think that things totally evolve. Um, I look at when I started um, my website online and kind of the vision that I'm trying to create, things have evolved in the past couple of years and they continue to evolve. And that's really all part of the process. Joe, what's been the most shocking or surprising interview you've done in your series? And maybe you've already said that. Okay, so I haven't released this one yet. All right. Um. I'm not going to give you a name, so I don't give it away. Okay. Because I don't know when I'll release it. But this, this is hands down one of the best interviews I, ever, I think anybody would ever do. This, this billionaire, I fly out to L.A. to meet this billionaire. And I'm thinking, all right, well, it's probably going to be boring. I don't, what am I going to even talk to him about? That's great. He made a lot of money. <laughs> and, he, and he had an accent. Because I go into these things. I don't really know much. I don't do much research. I purposely do that because I want to I, I end up on a road I you know what I mean? Otherwise, I'm going to go down a place where everybody else has gone. That's a really interesting approach, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, so I'm talking to him, and he's got an accent. And I said, you know, where are you from, Israel? And he said, no, um, Lebanon. And I said, oh, well, Lebanon, I heard uh, a pretty rough place. He said, well, it used to be like the Paris of, of the Middle East. It was beautiful. And he said, back in the 60s, my dad had a big construction company. And when I was nine years old, he died. And... My uncle took over the business, and I worked for my uncle, and my uncle used to scream at me every day that I should be carrying bricks and not books. He said that <laughs> books were making me weak, and bricks would make me strong. Anyway, we had that fight, but he says, I love reading books. Right. Said, By the time I was 21, 22 years old, I um, took over the business. I had 1,700 people working for me. He's 21, 22 years old in, in Lebanon in the 60s, okay? Wow. wow. 1,700 people working for him doing construction. Yeah. They're building buildings everywhere. So clearly he's a pretty famous, pretty wealthy guy. Yeah. Um, 
Syria, Syria started to have some weird things going on, and, and a bunch of Syrians came into Lebanon, he said, and they kidnapped them. And they hung them upside down. Now, granted, I didn't go into this interview knowing I didn't know any of this, right? I just ended up on this road. Right. Um, and they beat them with a whip. They hung them upside down. They beat them. They didn't feed them. Um, he was near death. And one of his 1,700 employees somehow negotiates with these terrorists, and re- they release him. But they release him on the terms that they're taking his company, they're taking all his properties, all his money, but they will put him on a flight out of the country, and they don't want to see him back. Gets on a plane. Uh, they, they send him to Geneva. That's, that, they buy him a ticket to Geneva, and he's, he's out of there, never to come back. He, lands in, he collapses on the plane, lands in Geneva. They put him in a hospital. He's in the hospital for a month. While he's there, he's next to the Shah of Iran's wife or sister or relative, and they become friendly. And, and, and she says, we would welcome you in Iran. We'd love for you to come there. You obviously have tremendous skills. And, and what happened in Lebanon is a disgrace. Goes to Iran. And over the next six or seven years, so let's say it's, I could have my date, so let's say it's late 60s now. He's got, uh, or, or 70s, sorry, it's 70s. He's got a 1,000 people working for him now in Iran. He's building hotels. He's in Tehran. He's putting in a, like a lake. He's building a lake. His housekeeper calls him and says, turn on the television if you can. Don't come home. They broke into the house. She's being very cryptic. They are killing his friends, anybody wealthy. They're killing out in the middle of the street, one by one, lining them up, shooting them. He can't go home. He buys a, a burqa, the outfit the women wear with just a slit on the eyes, the black, the black outfit. He puts it over himself, and he spends 14 days on a horse escaping Iran. He's got like $18 in his pocket and an American Express card in the 70s. He gets on a flight to L.A. He lands in L.A. never to go back to the Middle East. Right. He's got very little money, and... Um, he settles in L.A. He's like working in a restaurant and convinces a couple of guys he meets to start investing in real estate. And he's a he's a multi-billionaire now in L.A. Um, but that was it caught me completely off guard. Never like it's a, it's a movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about restarting, starting your life um, from scratch once or twice. Right. It was unbelievable. Wow. Wow. Now, are you putting out episodes? Every, is it every day or every couple of days? Or well, my my oh. episode um, manager and I are fighting over it because um, she wants to release uh, episodes every day or two. No, two a week. Two. Uh, she's here. She just walked in. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> two a week, but um, I I know how hard it was to go around and do these. <laughs> so yeah. So I don't, don't want to. Re- sorry, I don't want to release. Um, Two a week. I'm going to release one a week. All right. But right now we really, we just released one um, this morning. That's awesome. His name is Mark Webb. He's a, a friend of mine. And um, this summer he was riding a motorcycle, crashed into a car, lost his leg. Uh, the morning he woke up without a leg, he snaps a selfie of himself and posts, uh, woke up without a leg, good time for a selfie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So he's got, he's got great great spirit and to be honest i don't yeah you know, here i am talking grit and toughness and putting on these races right I, I don't know if i would have been able to handle what he handled i i 
Wow. I just don't think I have what he has. It's, it's so I'm a little jealous to be yes. honest. Joe, let me ask you, what do you want to be known for or known as? I want to be known for the guy that ripped people off the couch, right? I want to, I want I don't want to be, uh, not that I have anything against Dave Asprey or, you know, or that whole biohacking movement. Right. I want to be the guy that turned back the clock and said, Hey, maybe a little bit of, um, horse and carriage and, um, sand dials and cold showers is good for us. Let's, um, let's not make everything so easy on ourselves. A question I wanted to ask you actually from our last interview, I never got the chance to ask this, but how important is strength to you? Physical strength? Yes. Uh, I think it's, I think it's really important actually, because I think it, it provides confidence, right? And I think, I think confidence then uh, has you walking differently and interacting with people differently. Um, at the end of the day, and this is something for me and you, for our kids or anybody with children. Yes. At the end of the day, um, communication is key to, is a key to life, right? Being able to communicate, being able to sell people, your message, whatever your message is. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and I think strength, um, is an important attribute to helping you do that more effectively. Um, look, I think you can go overboard. I don't think you need to, uh, be Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I think, um, I don't think you want to be frail either. Right. I, I think you want to be confident. Do you consider yourself more, well, obviously an endurance athlete, but when you think of yourself, is, is it more of a, a grit person, uh, mental toughness, endurance? How do you think of yourself and your approach? My approach, um, and believe me, I think about this every day again, because of the kids and the interviews and so forth and yes. the races. Um, my approach is more about prioritization. And, and I think that's where people fail. So what do I mean by that? Th- there is a time of day for interviews and business. There's a time of day for exercise. There's a time of day for reading. There's a time of day for family. Like I, I, I just make, um, I know what's important at what moment of the day. And I think a lot of people don't do that. Right. I, right. Right. Like, Hey, it's be a lot of fun to go on a bike ride today or, or go skiing. <laughs> right. But, I got, I got different priorities, but that doesn't mean I can't go skiing later or so, so you have to define, but, but again, if you define what your legacy is and what your priorities are in life, then all that stuff starts to fall in place. Absolutely. Joe, let me ask you this. This is another question, uh, really for me, but I think listeners will get a lot of value out of this. Uh, so what advice would you have for me specifically? And what I mean is, so I am a strength athlete and I'm, I'm into lifting heavy weights, but what, what can you tell me about the Spartan race and maybe why I should consider just getting in one? I mean, I, I train all the time, but I, I focus more on the strength side of things. But why, why would I, why should listeners? Well, I, I will tell you, um, and, and I probably can't compare to you at all when it comes to strength. In other words, pound for pound, you're going to lift stuff. That, that's not me. <laughs> but, I, but I do know, I do know when I was strongest in my life. And, and I can correlate that to what I was doing. Right. And certainly I used to lift weights in, in, in the eighties and nineties, just like everybody else. We right. We were all right. in the gym pounding the weights. Um, but that wasn't when I was strongest and I did construction for 20 hours a day, Yeah. but that wasn't when I was strongest. Okay. When I was strongest was when I was doing 
really long distance endurance stuff. It was very slow. Wasn't, we weren't running fast. We had 40, 50 pounds on our back. We, we had to climb over things and something happens to the body and the mind when, when you're completely, um, deprived of food, uh, water, um, sleep, you're cold and you're somehow pushing on for five, six, seven, eight days. I, I was never stronger. Like that was the only time in my life I could actually grab a pole and, and, and go out, um, horizontal off of a pole. And, and I wasn't lifting and I wasn't carrying bricks like I was previously. It was it, so, so I think there's a, there's a component to, um, sorry, the dog's barking in the background. No problem. To strength that comes from endurance. That makes sense. Right. Totally. Totally makes sense. So, so I think there's a place in your life for the Spartan thing. The other thing about, about a Spartan race or, or any endurance event is um, you go into a gym and you're going to do your 10 sets, 5 sets, 12 reps, whatever it is, right? You, you know exactly. What, right. You're not really out of your comfort zone then. Um, you need to get out of your comfort zone. You need to get over your skis in life. Uh, that's when you grow. If you think about the strongest trees and the strongest root systems, if we're, if we're using an analogy of a, of a plant, uh, is when they don't have water, when uh, there's very little sunlight, when it's very windy. Those plants become the strong ones, right? The plants yes. that just yes. that have everything they need all the time, they're, very, they're actually very weak. Get yourself out of your comfort zone. A woman wrote me yesterday and said, Joe, I need some advice. I have an extreme fear of heights. I have five children. I've been doing um, Spartan races. It's changed my life, but I, I need some advice on heights. And I said, my advice is deal with it. <laughs> I'm scared of sharks. <laughs> right, right. When I go swimming, um, deal with it. It's good to be fearful. Get, get yourself out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Uh, I want to wind down here with a, a few questions here. And I call this actually the power three questions. And these are quick uh, questions, very simple answer. I want you to just say what really uh, comes into your mind. So uh, the first is, do you have a favorite book that you could recommend for listeners to improve the quality of their lives? I would say, I mean, I got a bunch of favorite books, but just shooting quick from the hip, I would say Adrift. 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 Um, not sure the author's name. Uh, the author is uh, the gentleman that was adrift <laughs> for 72 days. And um, it will put you. It'll it'll change your frame of reference. It just like the movie, uh, the big, the good lie will. Okay. Um, so good, good book. Excellent. Uh, if you have a favorite strength exercise, what would that be? Uh, favorite strength exercise? I have to go with the squat. Squat. Perfect. What about a role model or mentor that's had the biggest influence on your life? Well, I have, I have a bunch of – I was very fortunate and, and uh, lucky in that at a young age, I saw value in be, being friends with older people. Okay. So um, I have a lot of older friends that are in their 70s, and, um, and I've done that my whole life. Your listeners won't know who they are. Right. Those would be um, – and then my mother. My mother, was, my, my mother was into yoga, meditation, health food in the 70s. I just want to comment on that, that last question. I love that advice because I think we can learn so much from um, older people that have, have been through decades of experience in life. And um, we, we can just learn so much from them. Well, we, what happens is those people become irrelevant. doesn't matter how much money they have. 
a younger person considers an older person, even you and I even, even do it. They're just, <laughs> they're not relevant anymore. Right. And um, in fact, it's the exact opposite. Yes. They have all the knowledge. They're, it's like reading a book, talking to an older person. Yeah. Joe, where do you want people to go to find out uh, more about the, uh, the new podcast and, and get all the uh, great information? Uh, SpartanUpPodcast.com. And you can get uh, you can get everything there, and hopefully get inspired to uh, take your couch outside, burn it, and, <laughs> and start uh, start exercising. You know, one thing I didn't ask though, but is this uh, audio? Or, it's both or video, audio and video. video. And audio. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. And then uh, the final question as we wrap up, my my favorite question is, what's your big advice or action that listeners can take away from our interview session here today? And I'm going to just preempt you on something we talked about before we uh, started recording, and that is what you were talking about about your philosophy and taking no shortcuts. So I wonder if you, I think that's great advice. Yeah, I think I think uh, the one big takeaway would be I think we all. You and I included, we all take shortcuts um, at times. And I think that makes our lives worse. And I think it makes the world a, um, hang on one second. A shortcut would have been taking that phone call. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so, and I think, um, I think in general, you're better off going the hard way. When you have those choices to make, like, should I hit the snooze button or not? Should I grab the sugary drink or the donut? Should I skip the gym today? Should I um, stay the extra hour at work? Um, I think the hard choice is nine times out of ten the right choice, and I, I think the world would be a much better place if we all did that. Awesome. Joe, this has been uh, really fun, really insightful. I know that uh, listeners, I'm sure, are going to get a ton of value out of it. I am really looking forward to going back to the episodes that you mentioned when we started doing the interview uh, with Kyle and the uh, Tony the Fridge and, and some of the others that you mentioned. So uh, I'm sure that the uh, podcast is going to be a huge success, as I see that it already is. And uh, that's great work that you're doing. Thank you so much, Joe. This has been awesome. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. I'm just going to pull things together here really quickly as we wrap up episode number 104. And really the big takeaway, the big thing that I wanted to share with you that you can really think about and hopefully apply in your life. And without getting too kind of uh, woo-woo or whatever you want to call it, think about this question and be able to answer this question. What is your legacy? If you can answer that question, then I can tell you that it will change your life. Think about that question, have an answer for it. You don't, don't get too deep. Don't make it harder than it is. Make it simple, but make it concrete. And there are some great books out there I could recommend. I could recommend several books that could help to fine-tune that question and really help give you clarity. Uh, one simple book I'll recommend is a book called The One Thing that I recommend all the time by Gary Keller. And I don't know if it answers or asks that question about what is your legacy, but it does lead you down the path of discovering your one thing and keeping you focused. And I think that will help you to be able to answer that question about your legacy. We all have a legacy, something that we are working towards creating. And when you know that with clarity, it really makes things a lot easier and guides everything that you do. So I just wanted to share that with you. I hope that you take some time to take that question away and answer that question yourself 
and use that as your driving force. So again, I really, really enjoyed this interview with Joe. It's very different from what we typically discuss here on the show, but really some awesome life lessons and great resources. And I'll have links for things that we talked about in the show notes for episode number 104. So you can certainly go and check that out. And one more time, I encourage you to answer the question, what is your legacy? So that's it. I definitely have great guests and innovative topics coming for you next time on the podcast here. I think you're really going to enjoy what's coming and uh, be sure to let me know what you'd like to hear about on the show as well. So catch me at facebook.com forward slash Ardella training. That's the easiest, uh, fastest way to get in touch with me and I'd love to hear from you. So thank you again for listening and I'll see you next week on the show. Take care guys. Thanks for listening to the Ardella Training Podcast. Go to ardellatraining.com right now to join Scott's tribe of passionate fitness enthusiasts. Get valuable updates and resources that will help you take it to the next level. Train strong. We'll catch you next time on the Ardella Training Podcast.